Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Uranium investors have been operating in a bit of a void. Plus, equity prices have been hit hard in 2019 and also at the beginning of 2020. So we ask Mark Chalmers, the CEO of Energy Fuels, a uranium player in the US, to share with us his views as to what's happening in the market. Now, Mark has been walking the streets of Washington and talking to people up on the hill. So let's hear what he has to say. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm very good, man. How are you? Good. Well, I, thanks for coming on the show again. I appreciate it. Uh, we are operating in a, in a bit of a void here, and I suspect the whole industry is with regards to what is going on? I'm looking at share prices of most of the uranium players, North American, are hammered. They're being hammered in this void of no news. What do you know that we don't? Well, I think that what we have is we have investors that are just tired of waiting. You know, they've been waiting through this whole, um, you know, when we started 232 process two years ago, um, and it just drags on and on and on. So, um, look, and I share the frustration of investors, but, you know, just remember for, for every uh, share sold is one purchased, uh, even though the price uh, of these shares have gone down and we've all been hammered and not just the United States, but even, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, global equities in Canada have been hammered as well too. So, look, um, you know, I, I, I certainly, uh, it doesn't make me feel good when I see these shares slipping um, but as you know, you know, our company and UR Energy, you know, started this process again two years ago. Um, but uh, we're still making progress. We're still making great progress. Um, you know, I think that, um, um, you know, I think that the government gets it. I think they get it that we have to have a nuclear fuel cycle in the United States. Why do you say that? Why do, why do you say you're making great progress so the government understands? On what basis are you saying that? Well, I think that when we, um, when the tax changed from the 232 process, which was more of a trade-focused um, initiative, uh, to you know national security when it comes to uh, uh, you know producing uh, uranium and nuclear products, you know focused on the military's requirements, the government's requirements, uh, we got a lot, got rid of uh, effectively all opposition that we know of. Um, when that we made that shift, um, the utilities are, are not uh, openly fighting us. You know, we've got good support from NEI. Um, uh, you know, we've had many, many meetings. I don't even want to count them up. Hundreds of hundreds of meetings with um, you know people in the administration, um, people uh, in Congress. What are they telling uh, you? You meeting these important people in Congress up on the hill? What are they saying? You know, I think I think that um, we, we, we've gone through a huge education process on how dependent we are uh, for imports uh, in the United States. And uh, I think that when we talk to them, they are shocked at how dependent we become. Um, you know, the, the, the government inventories uh, have been there for decades, but they're finite and they're diminishing. And, um, you know, as long as we're the largest consumer in the world, um, is that where you want to be and not have the capabilities uh, to replace those inventories um, because uranium uh, and nuclear fuel products for the military has to be unobligated material by treaty 
um, and um, and so it basically has to, it has to be by treaty mined, uh, converted, and enriched the United States of America. Okay, so you're you're educating a bunch of people up on the hill, but do the people who matter, which is in this case Pompeo and Trump, do they understand the scale of the problem? Look, I haven't met with Pompeo, I haven't met with Trump, but I believe they both understand the magnitude of the problem. I think the people that surrounding them understand the problem. Um, I think they are understanding they need to make a decision quickly um, because of this imbalance of, of, of our ability to produce uh, these uh, very specialized products uh, for the U.S. government. Okay. But 12 months ago, they had the same problem. Today, it's more imperative, you know, if you, if you look at the macro story. So what's been delaying things? And, you know, given the nature of some of the politics in America at the moment, we've got impeachment hearings going on. We've got Iran waivers being discussed, another 60-day extension. You know, is it possible to make a decision in that environment? Look, we, we, we think so. I mean, it's certainly been harder to get to the top of the pile. Um, you know, since the original working group, uh, you know, uh, deliberations and report they prepared, it's been very hard. Uh, every time we thought that, you know, we were we were closer, it kept getting delayed. Um, certainly with our discussions with um, p- uh, people in Congress and, and those in administration, we say, look, we're out of time. Um, we need to tell our shareholders, um, you know, what the outcome is with this review. Um, we They need to understand uh, you know, we're getting hammered and in, in, with our share price. Um, and we also need to send a clear message to the world of uranium mining and these nuclear fuel products, including the Russians, the Chinese, and the Kazakhs, that the United States of America is not going out of business in this area of the front end. Okay, I understand. So so what are the options on the table now? I mean, we, we talked before Christmas, you, you said there's a bunch of options available to the government. We've been reading over here about um, government buying programs um, of, of US uh, uranium. Have you got, a, have you had conversations? Have you got a sense of what that could be? Is it just, look, is it just uh, guesswork? Uh, or is it, what do you know? Uh, Look, we're trying not to make it guesswork because we know that it's better for us to provide some guidance here. I mean, the first thing we want is we want the government to come out and say that the government uh, is supporting the reestablishment of the nuclear fuel cycle in the United States, mining, conversion, and enrichment at a level that at least provides some critical mass so that we have the capability to produce sort of our basic requirements, not all our products, but we can flex up in, you know, if, if required. So the number one is we want to be able to uh, show our shareholders, uh, tell the world or have the government tell the world the conclusions that they've made through uh, both the working group and the section 232 uh, investigations. That's number one. Number two, we want to see, or we hope to see, immediate demand for uranium mining. Uranium mining is the most challenged uh, first step of the of the process, and uh, we would like to see the government starting to buy uranium now, like this year, 2020, uh, you know, and onwards, um, you know, to to make sure that the uranium miners uh, can sell their product at fair prices fair prices 
so that uh, you know we can get some cash flow reestablished. You know, these companies that are not producing now zero cash flow, uh, it's not a real good outcome. That's not sustainable for a long period of time. And then lastly, um, the plan, the plan that they announce, you know, we do realize that some of this or a big chunk of this is going to have to go through appropriations. Um, the expensive part of the plan is really the enrichment. Uranium mining and conversion already have a lot of the infrastructure in place uh, and are the, 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 the lesser side uh, of this reestablishing the fuel cycle. But when you start talking about building uh, new enrichment plants, you know, being able to make uh, everything from, you know, 495, uh, 235, all the way up to in the 90s, 235, um, that's going to start costing billions. Now, the government was already planning to reestablish enrichment without, in the early days, without looking at the uranium and the conversion steps. Interesting. So if, if you, just to remind people, U.S., 20% of their energy is produced by nuclear fusion. Um, there's, there, there have been a few plants which have come to end of life, a few due to come to end of life. The utilities have got multiple options. They've got gas, they've got oil, they've got renewable. Nuclear is part of that. But for them to invest billions of dollars into upgrading or building new plants must be a big part of the conversation that they're having with government too. So the miners are just a, a small part of this, but it's got to be joined up thinking, surely. Yeah, and I think I think that was a lot of the logic when um, when the president came up with this working group. Now, granted, the working group's main focus was just these first three steps of the fuel cycle, um, but um, certainly the the government is um, the Trump administration is 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 committed to keeping as many nuclear power plants um, operating, um, you know, going forward uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, I think that the government. Uh, you know, like the DOD and DOE uh, are also getting increasingly optimistic about the uh, micro reactors and the small modular reactors. Um, you know, these this new HALU fuel, which is 20 percent, uh, 235, uh, is also kind of becoming, uh, you know, a, a product that the government thinks that they will need um, for the, the SMRs uh, particularly. Um, you know, and then lastly, you know, um, you know, space travel, you know, that's coming back onto the horizon. Now that probably isn't a large consumer and takes some, you know, time out. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I've said it to you many times, it is not time for the United States to not be in this business. Mark, can I just um, ask you your view on this Iranian waiver uh, issue at the moment? It's, it's a real political hotbed. The Europeans don't want it. They don't want these the, these waivers removed. Um, I know there's a lot of discussion internally with, between Pompeo and Mnuchin. Uh, they're in slight disagreement about it. Is that just a big distraction for you? Just, I mean, it's, well, I guess it's got to well, be. I, but I, what do you do about it? Look, I think it helps us because I think it shows how sensitive and interrelated, um, you know, this um, fuel market is. You know, outside of the United States. Um, I mean, even this morning, I was hearing that um, Trump and Pompeo were wanting uh, the waivers to go away. Um, but they also said, and, and when I heard this on the radios, Fox News, um, that, um, you know, the utilities, uh, you know, they don't want it to go away because they have such a dependency already on the former Soviet Union, the Russians. 
for uh, you know fu fueling their reactors. So it's all interconnected. So you know people talk about we've got all these stockpiles, we've got all this uranium, we don't need it for another um, you know five years, ten years. So you know obviously the business uh, you know it couldn't ever be healthy. I mean I know that's not the case. But then when you start looking at um, if you 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 you, you remove um, or let these these waivers expire, and it starts creating issues where the Russians cannot uh, import into the United States or cut back on that, a lot of these utilities are going to start running out of fuel like within a year, and that should again shock people. It, well, what yeah. happened to all the inventories? Where are all those products? You know, we thought we had, you know. Five, ten years of those products available. We don't. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to work out uh, because um, there's so little data out there. Is you know how much inventory is available to U.S. utilities today? What are they sitting on? A year, two years, three years? Because that makes a big impact on their behavior and their decision making. Especially, you know, they don't want high prices. Yeah, look, look at the utilities, and, and look, and I, I understand they want the lowest cost fuel, uh, you know, to keep nuclear as competitive as it can. You know, we know that, um, um, you know, that, that fuel is such a small percentage of nuclear generation, but, you know, nuclear generation is, is, is struggling, um, you know, um, but, you know, it, but it's, there's, you know, uranium's in all these different shapes and forms and, and, um, you know, so you got to make sure you keep those into balance with what your requirements are. Um, so, you know, I think that, um, um, you know, it just highlights um, the fact that, you know, the United States doesn't have the ability. Now, you know, um, you know, Urenco uh, is foreign owned and it's in New Mexico and they can do enrichment there up to 495. Um, you know, but we do not have U.S. owned uh, uh, capacity for enrichment. Um, you know, we do have, um, you know, U.S. owned uh, capacity for conversion, but that's shut down right now. I think it just highlights the fact that you do not want to be overly dependent on all these other countries. And you do not want to be in a position to have to fight with one or both of your arms tied behind your back with like the Iranians or whatever and the relationships they have with the Russians. Okay. I guess we'll leave it because we just don't just don't have enough data on that at the moment. Not that I we can we can we can get, but can I just talk about the mill, your mill, white mixer? Okay, we sure. talked about that previously in a few weeks ago. Um, you know, he he who controls the mill controls the district kind of you know line. We had a bit of feedback on that, so people are saying, "Well, hang on, the the mill you've got, which you said is is going to has a huge capacity, which you can't possibly fill." You, you said that yourself. Um, the feedback was around, well, how old is this mill? How do you maintain this mill? What's the cost of keeping this thing going? You know, do, do you decommission it? Is it that, you know, at what point do you decommission something like that? Or is it a case of you just replace the bits? It's ongoing maintenance, you know, um, as, as you, you know, start processing stuff through the plant, you just constantly upgrade, you, you maintain, etc. Is this mill set to run for years, or is it going to finish? I, I think the mill was originally built to operate for like twenty years, you know, and 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 you know now it's been around for over forty years. Right. Okay. Um, okay there's been there's been a couple campaigns of modernization 
um, you know, with, um, you know, control systems, um, um, you know, automation. Um, we've replaced a lot of the tankage. We built new um, uh, tailing cells. Um, you know, there's been an evolution in technology over the years. So the mill, uh, even though it's an older uh, facility, is in very good, excellent condition uh, considering its age. So, you know, we, um, um, you know, I mean, it, it is uh, unique, as we know, it's the only one that's operable, fully licensed, staffed right now, mm. uh, and has the vanadium circuit. And hey, just for you, you know, vanadium starting to get a little life in it. It started, the price of vanadium starting to go up. Uh, now, granted, when it was $30, um, dropped to five, and it's at six, we never thought that would look good. But, uh, you know, we're hoping that the uh, price of vanadium continues to go up here this next year or two. And we can capitalize on a fairly substantial inventory vanadium that we have at the mill. Mm. Um, but no, it, it's 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 in good shape. Um, you know, it, as I said, it's 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 basically you know largely staffed. We we did lay off uh, uh, a number of people uh, in the last uh, um, last week or the week or so ago. Uh, we shut down the vanadium um, uh, recovery process because of prices. Uh, but no, it's in very good shape and ready to go. Okay, that, that, that interests me. So you've let some people, they, they were permanent staff or temporary staff or? Can... Yeah, most of the people we let go were temporary staff. We, you know, when we, we have to spool up the mill, we try to keep the core group of full-time employees and then we spool up with um, a temporary people where possible. I mean, it's our uh, ultimate objective though to, to, you know, offer as many full-time jobs as we can in the region. Right. Well, let's see what happens. Uh, we've been reading. We're days away from some sort of decision, but you know, we've heard that before a few times. So um, let's see what comes out of the Trump administration. Um, I wish you well, uh, you and your peers. Um, looks like you're all you're all waiting for an announcement. So uh, let us know if you hear anything first. I can assure you, we'll let you know in the rest of the world. And, and you know, we have put a lot of our skin and money and, and, and sweat. I think we've, we've worn out, I don't know how many pairs of shoes I've worn out, in a walk in the halls of Congress and in D.C. But uh, we're excited it's going to finally happen. And, um, you know, there, I know there's a naysayers. It'll never happen. I don't think it's going to happen. But I think we have done... Uh, a, a fantastic job when you look at a little company because we've been doing most of the lifting energy fuels been doing most of the lifting as late i mean probably 75 percent of the lifting here um i think you know it's remarkable that we've gotten this thing elevated to where it is at this point in time thank you for listening if you've enjoyed the interview why not subscribe to cruxcast or our website cruxinvestor.com and of course our youtube channel crux investor Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.